0: For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
1: I loved Shania Twain. I remember she lost an award at the like, People's Choice Awards one year to Leanne Rimes, and I cried so hard that my mother was like, You need to stop, or we're going to the doctor.
2: Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, y'all—the podcast where we ask whose fault is it that you're gay. I'm Eric Williams, your host, and gosh, it's—I'm happy to report that I'm recording this from good old sunny Florida, where I'm on vacation with Matt's family. Uh, After not seeing Matt for two weeks, it was such a beautiful reunion, and I'm really taking every opportunity to let Florida know that I am a man in a marriage with another man. Uh, I was at a Publix just a day ago, and I tried to hold Matt's hand and give him a kiss. He says, quote, stop trying to make a political statement. I said, I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm trying to get someone to be homophobic so I can talk about it on this podcast. God... I will say, before I left for Florida, I saw Meg Stalter's show in New York. Oh, my effing God. I mean, as incredible as you would expect it, I got to see a few friends there, some people who listened to the podcast. It was... The universe just gave me so many gifts that night. But most of all, the gift of Meg Stalter. And one day, she's going to be on this podcast. Mark my goddamn words. But for this week's podcast, we have... Uh, yeah, you know. Matt Rogers of Las Culturistas. Fame? HBO Max's hot dog game show. Gosh, the the list is endless. And I have to say, this conversation is top-tier podcast, which is no surprise to anyone. Uh, If you don't follow Matt Rogers, do it. At Matt Rogers, though, listen to Las Culturistas. He is doing game show in New York soon. He's going to tour with his Christmas special this year. Just look out for all of it. He actually talks about that show at the end of this conversation. Also, follow me on social media at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z. And the podcast Instagram is at gay ass podcast now please if you like this episode give us a like give us a subscribe but leave a review if you don't mind and i hope you enjoy y'all that's a gay Ass podcast with matt rogers <laughs> zoom just let us know that she's doing her we love thing. her
1: confident girl
2: we love her she's usually dependable sometimes throws us a curve but we're here for her roller coaster
1: take me on it
2: speaking of roller coasters can you kind of like get us into what happened at lunch here
1: all right basically i was at lunch and um i was at so i, I went to the establishment sweet chick this is a tr- chain that is sort of popular really in near new york brooklyn really all around the country and i just um i thought 35 minutes would be enough time to like order a simple sandwich and get in get out and um i quickly became aware of the fact that, that was not going to be uh their timeline of acceptability so here i am the
2: chick was on a different timeline from you but you know what and it's a sweet chick and it's so sweet that you're here matt rogers i want to say the fact that you are on that's a gayest podcast i've said it to Ooh. some guests before but you need to know this matt rogers <laughs> this world is better off because of you in it this world Shut is up. more rich full and the fact that you are on this podcast this Stop podcast is better off for it
1: Listen, I have to tell you, I'm honored and thrilled to be here. I can't think of a better podcast to come, sort of, mouth off on.
2: Mouth off on? That's a (laughs) gay-ass podcast, Matt Rogers. Well, uh, I want the listener to know that you are in New York City, and I'm in New York City, but... Uh, one day in the near-ish future, you're going to probably be seeing me in Los Angeles. We are uh, getting closer to making our date to move there. Oh,
1: when when are you going? And and what's the deal? Are you just like life change or anything concrete?
2: The long story short is that I have been feeling pulled emotionally, physically, universally, and uh, then my other half. Um, we finally decided that now is the time. of just like to make a little change. We're In our 30s. It's now or never.
1: Oh, yeah. I have to tell you, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I say that with no ill will toward the city of New York. The city that really made me who i am i love new york city it's just um i don't know how to say this uh the humidity is unbearable the (laughs) subways are unbearable um a lot of the uh just sort of built-in ways of living here you realize you don't have to live like this Mm. you can go to los angeles and sort of like let things be a little easier i mean there was a time in new york where because like i feel like new york like breeds like workhorses And there was a time where if I didn't have five or six things on my schedule a day, I was, like, not busy. I was not busy enough for myself. And now it's, like, I'm in L.A. and it's, like, if there's two things on my schedule, I'm, like, full day. And I love it. I love it. Wait, that
2: is honestly what I think I needed to hear in this moment. Because I have those six or seven things today. And I had, like, two hours to not do anything. I was, like, God, I'm such a lazy piece of shit. I just need to be doing more. It's, like, that's not the way. That's not sustainable, babe.
1: No, you don't. And the thing is, too, like, um, I think that because New York City is constantly bustling and constantly things are happening, you can't get away from the noise of activity. It just makes you feel like you have to be out there doing things. But guess what? There's such a thing as being spread too thin. And sometimes I look back on you know, my years in New York, and I think, was I giving my 100% to the, all the six things I was doing in one day, you know, instead of uh, taking a break, like actually eating lunch, or, you know, building in time during the day to like exercise or go to the gym or like go shopping for food. Like there were times where, like, I didn't learn to cook when I was in my 20s living in New York, because I was just busy all the time going, going, going. And I think it just like, wasn't good for me, because I was eating a lot of garbage and a lot of things i could get quickly and just throwing things in my body and then going 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 and now that i'm living in a place where it's just you're it's acceptable to slow down a little bit more i pay attention to other aspects of my life besides career that need attention
2: and i think it's good so are you saying right now that you're an equinox
1: girly i actually am an equinox girly i kind of love that for you though i waited a really long time um and just because I couldn't afford it at all, and then as of the as of like the last couple couple years, like I'm doing a little bit better in my career, and that's another thing too is like in LA, there's just more work in the entertainment industry. There's just a lot more going on, whereas in in New York, I was just happy to be paid at all. Like I used to freelance write for a few websites, and it was like I would do recaps for episodes of TV, and it would be like a hundred bucks a recap, and I was just like, thank. God i'm making this money and now it's just like it's it's different because maybe because my career started or maybe maybe my career was just ready to start at this time but I have to associate some of that with moving to la because it just changed when I moved to la um not saying that like if you move here like all of a sudden everything is gonna be lucrative and incredible but um there's definitely just more financial opportunity I found and that made it easier but could you promise that for me please is that okay if you're not the kind of person who like Kills those who make promises that they can't keep, no. then I'll make a promise to you right now that Eric, you're about to be a fucking millionaire. <laughs> you're about to be a millionaire, boo.
2: Listen, speak it into the universe. The universe listens and then she delivers. She's been spoken. She's and been
1: spoken. She's
2: been spoken. Well, I, I feel like I, I want the people to know that I, uh, speaking of being in New York, first met you during our college days of it all. And then it's at many- university.
1: As British people say.
2: At uni. And it's um mm. it's been a few years <sighs> since then, but ten. It's fully tough. we can say
1: ten. <laughs> we can say ten. I was thinking about that the other day because every time I come back to New York, like I'm in the, I'm in Soho right now, and so I'm like walking around and like all the old haunts, like, and I'm just like, wow, it's been a decade since I graduated or nearly a decade since I graduated. Did you know that Dojo on West on West Fourth is just fully closed? Oh, <gasps>
2: But honestly, if you were going to tell me that Dojo was still open, I would have been just as surprised.
1: The gasp would have been the same. But <laughs> honestly, like, I just walked by it and I'm like, it's like that Taylor Swift song, and cats beautiful ghosts. I'm like, all oh, I'm seeing all around me are just beautiful ghosts. Like Dojo like, is a beautiful, beautiful ghost.
2: Well, listen, <laughs> speaking of beautiful ghosts, I like uh, the my the ghost of my old apartment. I used to live on Thompson Street for one year. It was like $1,100 mm-hmm. for a six floor walk up, and I think yeah. I, I think I might have told this to the Catherine Cohen on this podcast about when my apartment was robbed and that was the only time it was robbed was in soho on thompson street and i
1: ha- oh fucking brutal
2: brutal, and talk you yeah, talk about just new york brutality like i remember when i found that apartment i did it all by myself because my roommate was out of town for the summer falling in love with Catherine cohen actually at williamstown separate story but uh is this a gay
1: man straight man straight man straight oh straight man okay so it could have gone either way because gay men do tend to fall in love with katherine cohen and that's sort of a tale as old as time um but straight men falling in love with katherine cohen i know happens as well just not as, often.
2: <laughs> not as often but it has been known to happen at least once or twice so what ended up happening is i fought to find this apartment and i finally got it, and i was so stressed i wasn't going to find anywhere and then once i found it i called my parents thinking i was going to be like i found this apartment i am so excited and instead of that i had an emotional release i wasn't expecting and i was weeping on houston street oh. well which is of course again tale as old as time crying in new york
1: yeah i mean if you're in your 20s in new york and you're not weeping at least once on houston street you didn't do it right and you got to go back <laughs> you can't move to another city until you've done that I don't until you've can. wept on houston and thompson
2: <laughs> yeah it well i i didn't know if i was going to tell you this but i i'm going to because it, it has come up organically um I haven't really seen you for a long time, but I did see you at a time that I don't think you saw me, and it's for a good reason, because it was on a subway, and we were on opposite sides, but the reason why I didn't say hi to you was this. What? I was crying. <laughs> and I promise you, I promise you that this is not a normal, like, I'm always crying in the streets of New York. It was just, like, during a winter of 2019. Oh, Really? I think so A friend of mine A friend of mine I was with her on the subway And I was just ha- It was one of the darkest One of the darkest periods Of just like I just finished oh, a big I'm job so And just like yeah. Oh it's okay But uh, what happening, She was like talking to me And I started to like Unexpectedly cry a little bit And I looked over And I saw Matt Rogers And I was like if Matt Rogers sees me weeping on this subway train, I I, I, I,
1: I I, have to say I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, I'm usually kind of in my own world on the subway. I'm not a, an observant person, but um, I'm so sorry that you were crying. And I want you to know that had I seen you crying, I would have been there for you. I really would have. Thank you, Matt. Oh, my God. I'm so heartbroken. Well, and I have to tell you, there is... Why a- were you crying? I was crying. Was it just the job of it all, emotional release, or was it a relationship-related?
2: Uh, you know what it is, if I'm being very honest with you, is that it was a, combat, a perfect storm of I got back to the city from doing this show, and I was depressed from for being unemployed, but also sure. my depression led to my relationship having a tough moment, and we were planning our wedding. <laughs> And so I was feeling so many pressures of the of the world really of you you know are you a piece of shit career wise are you a, a piece of shit in your relationship and you're supposed to have this like beautiful wedding like I was like having all of these crazy thoughts and so it the pressure of it all and also it's the it was February in New York City I'm like who isn't devastated Do you remember what subway line it was Um oh I think we were heading to Brooklyn and it might have been Oh was it the G? Ugh To cry on the G. To cry on the G. That's dark. Dark days. Yeah. But the happy ending is that we, like, I had to address the darkness and just like, you know, made sure I was talking in therapy, made sure I boo, 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 and then ended up like, like Matt and I got, my husband and I got stronger at that point, like career stuff worked out. It just like, it was a low point.
1: Well, we love to hear it. And honestly, like, I always feel like, um... I I almost laugh when I look back at those times like the misery of New York like crying on subways like uh, uh, you know there were there were days when I thought my life was truly over around 2018 2019 because that I think we're the same age was our return to Saturn babe and uh times were thick and times were tough but they ended and I'm happy that you are doing better and gonna do this move to la because i'm telling you it's the choice it's the choice it is it's the, the choice.
2: choice and you know what's funny is about the the saturn return is that i actually so when i turned 30 it was two weeks before my wedding and so i didn't i was just like oh yeah i'm getting married i'm 30 and it's fine but then my 31st birthday was a pandemic 31st birthday and Tough. that's when the darkness returned a bit because i was Again, you know, oh, wow, I'm turning a year older. And what exactly do I have as evidence of how far I've come? Well, I don't, I didn't feel like, feel like I was taking as many steps forward as I would have liked, Dan.
1: Listen, I, I, I actually, I hate to like rub this in, but I think I had one of the last birthday parties before COVID. My 30th birthday party was on March 9th.
2: Yes, you did.
1: And like, I think it was like March 11th. No, it was like March 7th or March 9th, that weekend. And I'm telling you, I had a huge... 30th birthday party and then three days later it was like if you're seen with even one other person you're you're going to jail and it was like everyone's going home and i was like oh my god i was just with literally a hundred people like I I, I I did was i at a covid super spreader event was my date of birth party a covid super spreader well event?
2: speak now Was i'm it? happy to
1: report that not one person no not one person had a covid from it that i know of that's
2: incredible yeah i
1: mean it's literally a miracle it was it was a big event in a small house <laughs> and so it really it really could have been bad but luckily it
2: wasn't i'm so glad i mean honestly what a way to go out though is celebrating with the gorgeous and then truly mere days later you're sitting at home just thinking
1: was that okay mm-hmm. and then yeah this last birthday i, I what did i even do I, I don't i don't think i did much at all like yeah and i just so i i I was lucky. I was lucky to get my thirtieth in because you know that's famously a big one. Famously, it is. I actually am having a flashback for my birthday
2: for this the pandemic thirty first. It was like on a random Monday or Tuesday. I sat with one friend in a park, had an edible, and then just like actually felt very content because I had no other choice but to just be present in that moment. Whereas I think other years, it's like, do we do the big thing? Do but it's like I just like you know watch the watch the world pass and then. Had a little dinner. It was my first restaurant, too, in the pandemic. We, we sat outside at a restaurant. And I don't know what your, what your emotional life was during, but I am canonically anxious. And it, it, it really took me until getting that vaccine to actually feel like not completely freaked out by the world.
1: Yeah, for me, it was a very up and down pandemic. I started it like kind of on a big upswing professionally. And also I was in a great relationship. And, um, you know, as the pandemic is want to do, it kind of stopped things in its tracks professionally. And it's all fine now because things are kicking back up again. But I'm no longer with my boyfriend. I, I think that um the pandemic like caused a lot of people to like really look at the situations they were in and find out like, is it sustainable? Like, is it what we want long term? And uh you know it, it's it's hard it's, it's it was really hard it also kind of like accelerated relationships i think oh yeah you know i was i had been dating my boyfriend for i think probably about 9 months and then it was almost like we were living together and i was just like you know it it unfortunately changes dynamics and um you know i i, I don't say unfortunately because i i'm happy to like have any sort of like awakening that's positive and i do think it's positive and we're still close but it's it was hard i mean like you don't want to be cooped up and going through the stress of a breakup and dealing with life i mean and the uncertainty and i just remember like you know the election happening and it felt like it was so long and it was just Oi. fires in la that was what's one thing about la you're gonna absolutely hate is fire season um i, ju- I just remember like it it, it all felt insurmountable And I ended up, like, going on a vacation by myself. Like, I just, like, left L.A. and was, like, didn't tell anyone I was going and just, like, went by myself. And it was just, like, I just needed to get the fuck out. But I don't begrudge anyone their coping mechanisms during the pandemic, unless, obviously, it was, like, you know, lethal towards others. (laughs) Um, Like... I I didn't, I, I, like I said, I like, I took like a solo trip by myself and like, you know, did my own thing and like, you know, ultimately turned my life around because it was getting weird there. Like I, I, I I I like I like um, decided to let myself go very early on. Like it was like, oh, we have to be home for two weeks. I'm gonna only eat pizza and watch Survivor. I'm not gonna move. <laughs> like I look at my steps from that time, and it's like I, there there are days I walked like 67 steps. Oh yeah, yeah. It was horrible. I gained I think 20 pounds, which I, that had never happened to me before. Like not even when I was in college, I didn't even gain the like, like the freshman weight like everyone does. Like I, I've always been pretty lucky. And this this pandemic, like it was it was very clear that I was 31. You know I right?
2: mean, yeah, I was going to say talk about a Saturn return. Uh, yeah, I, I do find it, though, like it's it's always inspiring to me when people can still be friends with their exes, because I really think that's not an easy thing to do. I, I am not the type that has many of those like the actually one person that I lost my virginity to back in those NYU days in U-Haul.
1: If you Go can off. Imagine. Oh, I, I was in U-Haul. I wonder if I know the person.
2: Oh, you you definitely do, um, but <laughs>
1: okay. Off air, you have to tell me who it
2: is. I will. I definitely will because it was. Gosh, what floor was it on? What I I, I mean, yeah. There's so many. Specifics. If you say
1: fourteen, I'm gonna lose my shit because you know that's the floor I lived on with one Hanukheim. Oh my
2: god! You know Hanakheim is is it, it, listen plug right now, everyone. Hanukime is a queen and she does host a podcast called Brews with Bros It's about women and beer. You gotta listen to it.
1: Oh, I love that.
2: Yes, a lot of my stories on this podcast are, have to do with Hannah because she—I've been friends with her for twenty something years.
1: Yeah, I remember. I, I didn't know you guys were friends before that. I just always remember you guys being close at school, and I always Yeah, like, we grew uh, up
2: in St. Louis together. We. Oh. But um the the virginity moment was you know in that U-Haul. I don't think it was fourteen. I, it it might have been eleven. So not too far off. Okay. But um. Why am I talking about losing my virginity, Matt?
1: Uh, I think you're talking about it because you were talking about difficulties in staying close with exes.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. So that person is really, I have a really lovely relationship with. Love seeing him. But one of my like big relationships that I have not seen, he blocked me like two years after we broke up. Shit. Yeah. We haven't seen each other in... Probably seven or eight years, and um, does it bother I think you? T- you know, it used to. It really, did. it really used to, because it, part of me was just like, "But I just want to see how he's doing." But I'm sure part of me just wanted to feel like wanted again, and like you know, yeah, it's just so weird how you can have like been so close with someone you could have been inside of someone you could have been like so many so many things and then when they're a stranger to you again i find it such a crazy part of life it's like
1: like a death it's like experiencing a death i mean even when you're still friends with that person you see that person or even if you're the one that ended things you still have to see that person sort of out in the world yeah how do you deal with it uh you know It's hard. And I try not to be selfish about it because a lot of this is like, for example, like your ex blocking you on Insta and all that stuff. Like he did that because he needed to do that. You know what I mean? And I think that if he needs to do that, it's you're responsible to him as someone that loved him and like someone that was with him to let him have whatever he needs and truly like I think it's really important to give people space and time and also boundaries. I mean, it's something that's really hard for me as someone who's got like codependent relationships on top of codependent relationships in my life. Like, I guess I guess I just I'm someone that really likes relying on someone else or really likes having like positive, you know, reinforcement all the time. Like, I, I, I really <laughs> like to um, be uh, reassured. Oh, me too, I Matt. I and so that's, that's like a source where you can get that, that when that goes away, it's almost like, part of me is has to watch like getting emotionally fulfilled from a person that I'm no longer in a relationship with because it's so true. Like you can be the closest person in the world. It's your best friend and you're their support system and they're your support system. And then just because you break up because one aspect of the relationship didn't work or you think that something else should be working better, like you still lose those other things. And it's important to, I think notice and recognize that um, a breakup is a breakup and it's, you can't expect or force someone to be there for you in the way that they always were. It's an adjustment. That's part of the grieving process, I think.
2: But also like talking about always needing positive reinforcement, I'm actually, Matt. my Matt and I are apart for two weeks right now. And for the first time since the pandemic started, Mm -hmm. and I realized my thoughts were going a little more crazy than normal. And I realized it's because I don't have a person there to constantly validate me and constantly give me positive reinforcement. Right. And um, yeah, the codependency of it all is very, very relatable. I don't know if it's because. Wait, are you are you Italian? Is that right? I'm Greek
1: greek okay is it the greek thing is it a no I, no i think I'm, i think it's just a crazy thing i'm like pisces <laughs> i thought you were gonna ask about astrology i was like oh i'm a i'm a dripping wet pisces i'm a pisces rising pisces cancer moon which means i could start crying at any second wow like it means it means get away from me is what it means like i'm needy i'm very emotional and sensitive um and i say this with love for myself I think there's a lot of good things about me too, but I'm I'm very um, you know, I'm a lot, I require a lot and I try, I say that not to scare people away, but you know, I think that um uh, you know when they say in a relationship there's like a flower and a gardener, I'm a flower and Wait, uh, I haven't yeah. heard that, but I love that so much. Yeah, yeah, my ex kind of brought that to my attention. He was like, you know, in relationships there's a flower and there's a gardener and you're a flower and I'm a gardener. And I was like, yeah.
2: Oh, wait. So I'm a flower too. But the fact
1: is, I think he was more of a flower than he was willing to admit.
2: Oh he wanted to bloom but you wanted him to water Yeah, but that's the thing I think there's always one person in the relationship that's a little needier or or, or needs more of the watering and maybe some extra soil
1: well the thing is I think that was like I think he was the one that brought that to my attention but I think that was a mischaracterization of our relationship if I'm being honest and I'm wearing my goggles my good goggles looking back on it but I do think that that's true and I think in every good relationship there should be um, someone who is there probably as a flower and a gardener and like ultimately you both want to grow into gardeners and be able to water each other. But you know, um, for some people it's harder. Absolutely. Um, I think that th- they're there. I think that my positive function in relationships if I have to examine it is I think I make life more fun. I think I like have positive things that I bring to things. I, I I'm very loving, but I think if I look back on my relationships, I definitely, um, I think I haven't been ready to be in them cause I wasn't ready to not put myself first. And so now that I'm able to move forward and know that's true, I think it'll just be more fair for the next person I date because totally I think I think I went for such a long time like cuz you're like gay or closeted or whatever or like insecure. I I went for such a long time never ever having a boyfriend and I there were times when I was like I'll never have one cuz I just thought maybe I'll be I'll be too difficult to date, I'm not ready. And then when I got one, I was so excited about having one. It wasn't until way into the relationship that I was examining whether or not it was right for me oh. and whether or not I was a complete person enough to be in one. And obviously when you're in your fucking mid 20s, like you're not no, and, and people are in them all over the world and good for them if they're ready to do that I just realized like you know all throughout my 20s I wasn't figured out enough or realized enough or or knew enough about myself to actually be fair to another person in a relationship and so I'm moving forward with that and trying to get better
2: yeah it's, but it's also so emotionally intelligent and evolved to me and I think that's a great way to be easy. like knowing that you, maybe you're not ready versus having zero idea you're not ready but just like continually making people suffer Plowing. through it. Through, plowing yeah. through people because there's other people that do that and i think like me and a communicative man is just ooh, is that a goldmine in this world
1: well you know what's funny now like even when i'm dating early on like and someone asks me questions about myself like i think like even like a few years ago i would have been doing some sort of performance like mm. it's so funny i was just talking the other day i think i was talking to um I was talking to my friend Sudi about this and I was like do you remember in our 20s when we used to drink IPAs and then I remembered like when I was on OkCupid when I was like 22 like which I'm really curious to see if my profile is still up because you have to fill out all your interests and everything (laughs) like that and I remember one of my four interests was drinking IPAs. <gasps> and it's not. It's it's like those beers make me so tired. I don't even <laughs> like the taste of IPA. I don't like the taste of hoppy beer at all. But I think I was doing it because I wanted to appear a certain way. Maybe it was like a mask drag performance thing. Oh. Maybe it was I just wanted some connection with like straight culture dating. Maybe I wanted guys to know that I was like, rather meet up at a bar that was more general population than like a gay bar. Like Uh at the time, I just wasn't really settled in myself. And so it's so funny, because that was an obvious way I was like parading around an untruth about myself and being dishonest about who I was romantically. But that still happens in little tiny micro ways. And so now when I'm dating, I just try to be honest as fuck yeah,
2: because, from the beginning because you're going to have to be at some point. Exactly. And like once the facade comes down, it's like, this is who I, like, this is me. I remember, and I truly am not proud of this, but I, I identify with you of the, the mask sort of, you know, facade mm-hmm. of, I, when I was first in my 20s trying to date, outside of out after college i was like you know was one of those people that did want to find someone that was a little more masculine and i told myself yeah, that to be with and then i realized as i was dating and when i started to meet people that i was very interested in that wasn't masked, i was like I, it, I that's definitely when the mirror was put up to my face and i was like wait a minute this is an amazing person that i am trying to limit based on my own Fucked up growing up being told what it means to to be a man. And I luckily was able to let go of that. But I think a lot of people it takes them too long to let go of the the things that they are trying to find because they were told to find something like that.
1: Yeah, and people aren't aware of it. I think that people aren't aware of like how colonized our desires are. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I, I used to think I think it was subconscious. Um and then I became more conscious of it, but I was like, well, I can't date um this femme person because what would my dad think Mm. or like i or like you know like i have to really now that i've come out of the closet like that's enough like i can't be i can't rock the boat too much so let's find someone that drinks ipas you know what i mean like it's just it's it's fucked up it's lame it's like almost definitely internalized racism and homophobia it's like all these things like it's just really garbage and so as you move through life and mature and get to know yourself i think what i always say is like what i always say i'm always saying this (laughs) um it's like you come out of the closet and that's one thing and that's like literally one percent of the work Mm -hmm. because then you have to come out with your interests and your opinions and you have to come up with your natural inclinations and what you're actually attracted to and you sort of meet yourself outside of what you've been curated to be by society and by your family and by like your surroundings growing up especially you know I mean I grew up on Long Island like it was and and like there's still things about me that are just like internalized from that culture um not in harmful ways just like in little social ways like you know what I mean like uh, like uh, even the way I speak sometimes like, right. even one drink it'll be coffee not coffee you know what i mean like it's just like that but what i mean is to say um it takes a very long time to not only become who you are but get adjusted to who you are and then be able to like introduce that person to other people so that's why i try to cut myself some slack about you know being like quote-unquote difficult in my first couple relationships is because i didn't know what the fuck to do no mm. one ever told me i didn't even know how to use my butt for sex until like my mid to late 20s like come on like it, we're we're delayed we need a birds in the birds
2: conversation that's so unfair that that queer people have to like figure it out for themselves when there's all these illustrated books like like i yeah. i it you know i hopefully none of my parents or in-laws are listening to this part but like i and if you are just just skip like 20 seconds but like i when i first was dating i just never knew about butt stuff how in terms no. of my own and then i my first relationship was solely a t to t and then as i move forward in life i had to literally learn that it is okay to you know scratch my back and scratch yours but i didn't know how and i had to like go through the olympic trials of figuring this out and i finally then put myself through school went to babeland got the stuff and it took me i'm not exaggerating like three years to figure out how to actually do it and i you know i wish i had learned earlier but
1: Again, some people don't learn at all, and they need to. I, I mean, I think that it's just... No one needs to do anything, but I would say it feels nice to be able to have intercourse. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it feels nice to be able to feel... What well, I remember when I was, like, frotting my way through New York when I was, like, in my <laughs> early 20s. I'm not even kidding. Like, I was always just like, I feel like something's missing. Like, I'm not really connecting sexually. Like, I feel like I'm not, like, having sex or making love to these guys that I really want to, like... Fuck. And I always felt like empty after my hookups. And then, yeah, with time, I sort of figured it out. And like, I've had lots of fulfilling relationships where that was not a thing. I've had many a great hookup where that was not a thing. I didn't have like a dick in my ass or whatever and was fine. But when I figured out how to enjoy that, you know, and it's still a journey sometimes aka it does hurt every single time until you until you get used to it um i i was i felt enriched by it but no one was out here helping me i certainly mm-hmm. didn't have any gay mentors you know what no. i mean like i i didn't have any television or media that was talking about that certainly wasn't educated on it um in any form of education that i that i went to and i'm a well-educated person so it was just like It really felt like you were out here thrown to the wolves, and there's also a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of fear around sex, because um, I think that we are, like, that sort of last generation that was, like, without prep when we were younger, so it was very scary. I remember I had a lot of very anxiety-ridden visits to, you know, my doctor to get an HIV test, um... And it's just, it's, a, it's, it was a mind fuck. It was a, oh, mind I, fuck.
2: it's, it, I unfortunately still really have to deal with that stuff of just like, of being so deeply afraid of like, if I like, like look at someone, I, I have a story that I basically thought I had something and I truly didn't even know to think what it was, but my body right. started to actually physic- physically react out of the fear and mm-hmm. I started to, I truly can't explain this why but it was such a psychosomatic thing I started to pee not like kept having to pee and then that my huh. body my brain told myself that that meant I did have something and I kept like peeing and freaking out and had like panicking and I went to the doctor and they're like you're completely fine stop freaking out but like it it really it really is it does plague my mind and like it it's a it, true you just have to work through so many layers of what we've been told and what is expected of us and I have to say, like, the fact that you said you've been frotting or you were frotting through your New York, I think, uh, is...
1: Oh, please. I was, like, dry-humping anyone I could touch. Like, <laughs> it was just, like, I remember, like... Oh, my gosh. like Like, some of the guys that I hooked up with when we were in college, like... I wonder if they look back on that and was like he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And then I'm like, no, Matt, that is you again, getting in your own head, making things yeah. more difficult for yourself. No one knew what the fuck they were doing or no no how one. they acted. Like, and and it's fine. It's also not a big deal. And I'm happy for like whatever Gen Z that like you know the fucking asshole is like a place that they want to endeavor to go very early. Like, love to hear this like sort of um movement of rimming. I remember the first time I got my ass eaten in college, like, was this, this kid I was in a dorm with, and like, he ate my ass, and I was like, whoa, what are you doing? And I was, he was like, (laughs) I didn't even know it was a thing. He was like, oh, I just like to do that. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's literally, it it felt insane. It was so good. And I was just like, wow, I didn't know I fucking loved this. And I like, (laughs) I mean, like, it's just crazy. Like, I I remember, like, even when I was younger, like, the first time I ever saw, like, a gay porn, like, a dick in an ass, I was like, they do that? Yeah. And my cousin, who I was watching it with, my straight cousin, was like, yeah, that's how they fuck. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, that's horrible.
2: Wait, is your straight cousin a a, a guy or a girl? Guy. Guy oh he, it was wow. just like fun
1: for him he was like now let's watch gay porn and i was like okay and he i i literally like he he was just like fascinated by it i think and like it was like this like you know taboo of like we're gonna go on the computer and watch porn and then we just meandered over to the gay site and like i remember i got like a raging hard on and he was like are you hard right now because if you are that means you're gay and i was like i'm not i was like rock hard
2: <laughs> Anyway. soaking wet. Well, listen, Truly. I could of course talk about rimming for the next hour, but I do want to ask the famous podcast question Matt Rogers. Yeah. Whose fault is it that you're gay? Matt,
1: who do we blame? Hmm. Who do I blame for my gayness? You know, it's an interesting question. I I would say that one of the reasons that I'm gay in the way that I am is because my parents um so I guess we're blaming them. Um <laughs> So thank you, parents. I love being gay now. It couldn't couldn't always say that. But my my parents would not allow me to watch MTV. Um, because it was like every time I had on MTV, it was like always spring break, which was like the remember spring break MTV? Oh, it was like yeah, those like aggressively like hetero sort of like miami beach rager events like with like you know jenny mccarthy hosting or whatever the fuck and like the TRL but like hosts, the
2: hottest like, ripped guys you've ever seen yeah oh. like
1: carson daly in like a full denim suit in the middle of miami like while everyone around him is in like a bikini or like board shorts <laughs> like raging um but that was like a really horny aggressively like anti-mom scene and so she would come Mm. in and be like you're not watching this and i was like but i love music and it's music television like this is what i want to be watching and she was like then watch vh1 (sighs) so instead of watching mtv where it was like you know all like the youth culture and straight culture i watched like vh1 so i was exposed to like celine dion and mariah carey and shania twain and like this sort of more mature adult female sensuality sexuality Mm. and also diva worship so i remember when divas live happened like i was ready because i remember that it was like the 98 divas live and this was like right when I started to culturally like more gay things. Because I think the second I saw Kate Winslet turn around in that hat in Titanic, I knew something was different about me. I was like, I'm not interested in her sexually, but I am very interested in the framing. I'm very interested in the hat. I'm very interested in her makeup. I'm very interested in her gorgeous red hair. I'm very mm-hmm. interested that the, her first line in this movie is it doesn't look as big as the Mauritania. Like a complaint. <laughs> like I'm very interested in like everything that's going on here. Like the reveal of her Rest in that scene where he's drawing yes. her i'm interested in her power in the scene so i guess now i'm titter-tattering over to like kate Winslet's also to blame but which we love because she's in a, we're in the winslet renaissance we but, um, are
2: i mean the car moment with her the hand on the window i think that is maybe one pinpoint moment for me genius
1: genius and also like To pretend that Leonardo DiCaprio at like 19 on that ship was going to be any good at sex. Like, so funny to me. But it was in... So, uh, Titanic Fever had sort of taken over, and so that's when I started to really get into Celine Dion because of My Heart Will Go On. And I was such a stan, and she was on VH1 all the time. She couldn't have been bigger. And then I really got into Mariah Carey, and that's when like my lamb status really started. Mm -hmm. And I also loved... Shania Twain. I loved Shania Twain. I remember she lost an award at the like People's Choice Awards one year to Leanne Rimes, and I cried so hard that my mother was like, you need to stop or we're going to the doctor she was like this is like not okay like you can't be crying because Shania Twain lost favorite country female artist to Leanne Rhymes Rimes at the People's Choice Awards and you're seven like it's not something we're gonna tolerate <laughs> seven years
2: old I mean losing your goddamn mind
1: literally like standing Aretha Franklin at Divas Live like I think honestly it was because my mother was like you can't watch MTV you have to watch VH1 and it was like this female beltress adult contemporary diva worship mm-hmm. that I pivoted to and then I like got all my friends at school involved in i remember when we were little we would have to like we would have like r&r time like relax and read or write like and i would like write in my book like i had a composition notebook that was literally filled with lyrics of songs by like mariah carey tony braxton like all these things and they weren't my own stories and we had to turn them into our teacher and i didn't know that so i had to turn the book into my teacher and i guess she wasn't a fan of this type of music because she wrote back to me in my book and she said matthew your stories are so beautiful. And it was literally like The Roof by Mariah Carey, the lyrics. I'm not even <laughs> kidding you. And she was like, I'm, I'm like literally like my all, like she, my teacher thought that me at eight just used the words vividly emblazoned in my mind. Like, and she was like, you're so talented. Your stories are so beautiful and they're so heartfelt and you really have such talent and I literally I, I never understood why this teacher loved me so much and then I'm realizing oh it's because she thought I could write like Mariah Carey
2: oh my god I mean you were literally using the lyrics from like Grammy winning music and your poor teacher thinks that it's full six year old is, is, is the penmanship of a woman scorned
1: literally like and I'm like what was she listening to at that time if she wasn't listening to that let's talk about that she revealed that she was really into Jewel. Like I remember, I was in third grade, and it was right after the Columbine shooting, and I could tell my teacher was like very shook by it because it obviously happened in a school, and she she was obviously panicked because she thought it could happen to her and her kids. And I remember she, it was right after Hands by Jewel came out, and she made us get in a circle and grab hands and sing the song Hands. So looking back, I think that she was like, she had severe trauma. Uh, oh, yeah. From that. And I, so maybe she was more into a Lilith Fair type of female musicianship than I was. I was more like, you know, the belt pop goddess girl. And maybe she was like, you know, just um, into more acoustic stuff. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, I'm i sure as you were on Danny Pellegrino's podcast, and I'm such a fan. I, I fucking love Danny. He's so good so good and when he posts do you either, know him um i mean i have like been a social media fan like in touch over the years but like I, my dream is to have him on this podcast and it's gonna happen one day oh he's so great so great but he when he posts like obviously the the jessica simpson stuff the when he posted the jewel and jessica simpson like who
1: will save your soul
2: yeah going absolutely yeah. off i it uh, Defined, uh, I think, a generation, but I also think it, it maybe scared some people away. But I think the the real the real fans stuck stuck around
1: for sure. I mean, the fact is, I did sort of hang out with those ladies for a while, and then I sort of you know I liked Britney Spears the whole time, and I loved Christina Aguilera. Um, but then it was like, um, it wasn't until I was in sixth grade that I really stand beyond those women, and, and it was Kelly Clarkson. So oh. when I saw Kelly Clarkson on American Idol, it was like over for me because this was like right around when I was like let's just say being gay was like vividly emblazoned in my mind. Like mm. it was just like I it was a very much a constant panic and thought. And then I remember when she like started to pop off on American Idol, I remember thinking to myself, "Well, At least I know, and it's comforting to see America like fall in love with someone just for being themselves, that maybe that means that one day people will fall in love with me because I'm myself. I was like, maybe one day I'll be able to really be myself. And it will be good. It will be enough because I I really liked her humor and thought, wow, she's just such a good singer. She's doing what she loves, and she's able to represent herself in a way that she doesn't take herself too seriously. And I remember like that was the first time I was able to take a step into like you know, I, I know I really like this girl, and I, I like I, I I her music makes me happy, and it was such a comfort to me to oh my see that, her be embraced.
2: That makes me like even a little emoish thinking about like this young closet yes. case being like Kelly's being herself and people love her for that. And people maybe will like me, even though I feel like I might be completely sent to hell when I tell people this. But maybe yeah. there's a chance people will like it because I'm just being who I am. And Kelly Clarkson, I hope she knows that she's done that for people.
1: I, I think that she might have an idea. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see her become like this like it, it's like so much like a third win type of intense fame like yeah. you know, she's huge and it feels like she was really huge during American Idol Mm -hmm. and then really huge during like the breakaway moment, like since you've been gone and all that. And then she like kind of stuck around for a while and was always sort of like, you know, around and like, she would always remind you how good she was. And now it's just like, since like the daytime show and the voice, it's like crazy how famous she is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I'm not surprised because it's, it's like what I said, it's like, yes, she was very famous and, successful because of her incredible talent but also you have to remember like america fell in love with her like and it, they haven't fallen out of love with her like it's it's so fun to see and so it still ends up being an inspiration to me yeah
2: totally and i think that's why her show is so big now is because it's people just like constantly seeing her personality and her fucking singing new songs it's like it's, yeah, it's such, relatability
1: it's, down yeah yeah it is but also it is. not it's it's like this it's like your cousin that can do that has the crazy talent and then when yeah. they stop singing they're just your cousin again you know what I mean, right? You feel
2: like you feel like you know them, but then they go they go do your talent, and then you're lucky enough to have them in your life because they exactly. are that talent. Do you know though? I thought that someone who was going to have a resurgence, and, and you maybe can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was younger and I saw JoJo ascent of fame, and uh, maybe I'm just thinking of the highlights, and that's why I'm going from Kelly to JoJo. But like when right. JoJo did get out, stay out, and then it, it or get out, leave, and then it kind of mm-hmm. she. I think went back under the radar and then it kind of did has resurfaced, but she hasn't gotten as big as I thought she would. Do you agree or disagree?
1: I would agree. I mean, like I, I think that she was so shocking when she came out being 13 and her songs were such bops like you talk about leave get out but then there's also maybe it's you remember that song oh my yes. god uh like literally her first album insane and then she had um oh god what was that song on her second album um there's this just one fucking banger on her second album yeah yeah, yeah uh you shot the bullet you shot the bullet that killed me and then in a heart and i was dying that's the bridge i i'm i like but like yeah look her up everybody because she's got and also she re-recorded her first album like as an adult did you know this yes and it's like so great you remember like how good all those songs were like it's oh, just,
2: and that's it's it's such a mind fuck And i know obviously you're a big taylor swift fan as well and it's it's so crazy when her. you see the the, re- the reimagined of the the re-recordings of the old stuff because it is both comforting. It's slightly haunting. It's also like you're being reunited. I also haven't recently been reunited with
1: Jordan Sparks. I mean, there are... A killer voice. And also can't. maybe one of the best um, Jennas in Waitress. Yeah, like, You have not lived until you've seen Jordan Sparks sing She Used, she used To, used to, be, to mine. be Mine. I think it is. I think it's... And I know there's the version that she does like where she was like, they like recorded her professionally doing it, not in the show. There's one clip on YouTube of her doing it from the show. Like it was like one of those like illegal Broadway recordings that they do. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like the way she holds out the, Used to be mine, and like that, and like she just like literally wails it like it's a grief scream. And I'm like, this oh. is. She doesn't get the credit. Like she's talented and also i think it means something for jenna to be a woman of color too it's like adds more stakes like it's just yes. it's really it's really um it's it's from the gut it's it's like it is really and I,
2: I was surprised when because she also was in in the heights i think on broadway too she played um mm-hmm. she did a short stint as maybe vanessa Vanessa, or, yeah um did you what did you think of the the in the heights movie
1: you know what? I was like really impressed by it all the way through. I like loved mm-hmm. it. I thought I thought it was great performances. Anthony Ramos is such a fucking superstar that Truly. it's unbelievable. He's so talented as an actor, as a dancer, as a singer. Um, I didn't super connect with the... With the drama of it, like I just didn't mm-hmm. find that there was that much like tension in it. Like I didn't yeah. think there was really enough like real conflict for me to feel like you know I was like it was like a twist in my heart but i will say the music was great the performances were great i just story wise yeah don't think it's his strongest like because then you see hamilton and you're like oh my god you know what i mean like and i and i
2: i'm glad you said that because when i the the show is one of the first shows i saw or maybe it was like I saw the show early in its run and I was just beyond obsessed I wept I just and I was waiting for that same emotional connection to the movie and I think you're right where there wasn't that tension there and so I was the only letdown was I didn't have that same emotional release but did I gasp when they danced or walked on the side of the building of course
1: yeah it was great
2: yeah I mean gorgeous like but yeah it's I I I think it is one of the the better movie musicals we've seen in a long time but I do agree with the the emotional connection of it all
1: you know I, I just think like Sometimes during the tr- during the transition from from the stage to the screen, it just it's never it's just not going to hit the same way. You have to really nail like a diegetic, like the way that Chicago did. And I feel like In the Heights is a grounded story about like you know a neighborhood, and it's just like it, mm. so. That's like I think. You know, I'm hopeful about the about the like throng of movie musicals we're getting in the next year, like, because there's so many coming. But these contemporary musicals are just hard to adapt in in a way that's like mm, totally palatable on screen. But I'm really excited to be proven wrong.
2: I am too. And you know what? I speaking of like musicals and pure genius, I just need you to hear from my mouth in this episode that you're many of your performances of course i've been a fan of and in an, in an embarrassing way don't you to think i'm i'm uh sadly oh, stalking god. you it's all through love but the um one lyrical genius i that i still reference to this day is gay scarf i need you to know this <laughs> um during winters we we of course always recite our gay scarf gay scarf but also i'm the hottest who up in whoville i think Thank it's you. Like, god it's it's so funny it sounds so good if anybody listening has not heard this
1: is there? A, I know you. Ha, you have an album, right? Can how can well? People... Okay, so this is the sort of this is the sort of gag with that. I basically I have this Christmas show that I do called Have You Heard of Christmas? And I, I, I'm touring with it again this December, and I'll announce dates super soon. But I'm going like all over, and I'm really excited about it. And I always said like it's my Christmas album that doesn't really exist. So I do mm-hmm. have like a 12 song original Christmas album um, that I wrote with my musical director henry Kapersky and like I, it's my pride and joy but um let's just say that it was never a real album until hopefully this year and that's i don't want to say too too much but um hopefully some cool things happen with it yeah and i should say that gay scarf was written by dave Mazzoni, um so we we'll get credit to him but hottest family up in whoville is is one of my pride and joys. so thank you and i I really hope that people you don't have to celebrate christmas to come and come enjoy the show it's really not about christmas it's really just like my comedy special that i do with masquerades as like an obnoxious josh groban-esque christmas special
2: and listen up as a jew who played buddy the elf in the national tour of elf for like three to acclaim to acclaim baby it like i literally learned from that show about christmas i was like oh i get it christmas is magic and I'm a proud... I'm not a Jew for Jesus, but I am a Jew for Christmas.
1: Thank you. And that's all we ask. <laughs> that's
2: all we ask. Well, listen up. As we're getting towards the end, I do want to ask you a really important question here. If, if the world was ending, mm-hmm. you could only save one character actress. Who would you save?
1: If the world was ending and I could only save one character actress, I would save Betty Gilpin. Because mm. I feel that she is capable of everything and we have yet to really see the depths of what she can do she's also like become a friend of mine and I that's one other reason why I'm so lucky that the podcast exists because it really connected us with her and we had an episode where she came on and it was just a highlight of my life Um I think that if you watch Glow you understand how talented she is like this is like a character actress like trapped in a leading lady's body which is the best type of like can like you know what would you Ben diagram um mm-hmm. but she's truly amazing the hunt was incredible um her performance was amazing i just think she is the real fucking deal and i say that as someone who you know is well versed in this area yeah hard not to say judy greer here because i respect it but um, I would say Betty Gilpin because I think she's like Streep level. I'm not even kidding.
2: I love no, truly I support that, and I think it's also beautiful the lifelong friendship I see you and Betty Gilpin having. I really do. Oh
1: my god! I mean, just a tremendous human being and smart as shit, and also a great writer and good person. New mom, we love, and um, yeah, just I, I could sing her praises all day. I mean, she does things. That are inventive and also like deeply, deeply real. And she's funny and also like has a lot of depth and also like has done the work. Like she's like, she's like a real actress, but also you can tell that it comes from a place of fun and of not taking herself super seriously. Like she obviously takes what she does very seriously, but I don't think she takes herself super seriously. She knows enough not to, uh, so that's an interesting walk to walk, but she does it. And I'm always obsessed with her.
2: Well, that's one of the most perfect uh, types of people is like the great talent with also not thinking that they're so serious that they can't make fun of themselves or like be silly or whatever it is. And I think that that is the way to go. Speaking of though, um, This made me think of a show that people keep telling me to watch and I started last night. Have you watched um, Call My Agent yet? No. Okay, so it's on Netflix. It's a French show and it's it's like French Entourage, but without the uh, misogyny. And (laughs) it's also the actual actors that are uh, very famous in France. They play themselves in the show, but it's like, it's smart. It is funny. It is like crazy high stakes. Highly recommend. Great
1: endorsement. Ringing endorsement.
2: I mean, truly. And since we are just about out of time, I'm going to ask you the final question. That I'm taking a page out of Danny Pellegrino's book, who asks a favorite Mariah Carey song. I'm going to ask you, Matt Rogers, Mm. what is your favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie?
1: (gasps) Oh my god. I would say my favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie is Sister Act 2. Thank you so much. Back in the Habit. But I also love Ghost. I appreciate Mm -hmm. Ghost. Um, and I think The Color Purple was an achievement. And I yes. think that was her Oscar. But, you know, they gave it to her for Oda May which is also yes. worthy.
2: Well, Joel Kim Booster was the first person I asked this new pod question last week. And he also answered Sister Act 2. And I'm starting to think, what if every single person answers that? But I think that's okay, Matt.
1: I think it might be okay. And I think it would make Whoopi happy, to be honest. Yes. Because, you know, she kind of like... Over the past couple decades, she's really just kind of done the view, and we'd love to see Whoopi back in film. But you know, she like tried to get Sister Act three to happen, and they like wouldn't finance it. Like I apparently, it's they... their opinion that people wouldn't go see it. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. But see, I thought that was the the case, and then they
2: re announced that it is happening. Has it? Is it not happening now?
1: I don't know. I, it's 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 murky, which makes me feel not confident.
2: Yeah. Well let's all put our prayers up for Sistrac three and Whoopi prayers Goldberg be returning to our screens. Um listen, Matt Rogers, I want to thank you for coming on That's Against Podcast. It really is such a treat and a thrill to see you and I'm so so grateful. You're a motherfucking star.
1: Oh I'm I'm lucky to be here. It's it's my my honor and privilege. Thank you so much, Eric. You rock
2: is he just not the best i mean matt rogers i'm so grateful he came on this podcast and please let him know you listen it was it's one of my favorite conversations i've had and also i'm actually reading a certain brian moylan's book about the real housewives and i'm recording with him very soon so come back to the podcast he's going to be on one of our uh episodes in the next couple weeks and also some other incredible guests so Stay tuned, like, subscribe, give us that review, and follow me at Eric Wills and the podcast at Gay Ass Podcast. Have a great Gay Ass Week, my friends. Bye.